Well, are y'all glad to be in church today? I'm glad to be in church today. I think it's really, really odd. It's been a while since I've actually been on the Internet, you know, and uh, I think it's really, really odd. You tell me if you think this is odd, that two of the Wisdom series have been on the Internet. Don't you think that's... Huh. What's God trying to do here? Do you think somebody needs a little bit of wisdom out there? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fun thing. So uh, we're going to just review just for a minute, and then we're going to get jump right into it. So uh, we haven't done this for a while, so I want to make sure of it. If you don't have a Bible in here, I'll play Keith Moore today. How about that? If you don't have a Bible in here today, raise your hand. We want to make sure that you can see it. We show it on the screen, but sometimes it's good to see it just for yourself. And I'll tell you this, if you don't own a Bible and you don't have one of your very, very own that you can write in and mark in and everything like that, just keep this Bible. Just keep it. We'll just sew it right into you. Everybody should own their very own Bible. You know, I'll just give it to you. Keith will just give it to you. I'll say, uh, you know, we used to travel, you know, and I'll tell you a quick story. Y'all like stories, don't you? Okay. We used to travel with the Hagans all the time, and Mom Hagen was the funniest thing because uh, we'd go to lunch and stuff like that. And we'd say, me and her would be out at lunch and we'd be doing things. And I'd go to pay for lunch and she'd say, oh, no, let me get it. I'd say, oh, no, 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 no. Let's let Keith get it. And she'd say, oh, okay, yeah, let's let Keith get it. Well, Keith and my money is just exactly the same money, but she thought it was just the greatest thing that Keith was having to buy our lunch and he was nowhere around. And she'd come back and she'd tell Keith, well, thank you, Keith, for my lunch today. That was so sweet of you. And we'd do it every time. And she just thought it was the greatest thing that Keith was having to buy her lunch all the time. And he didn't even know about it. So we'll let Keith buy you a Bible today. How about that? That's a good thing, right? We won't even tell him. How about that? He'll be glad. So uh, get your Bibles today, and we'll turn to them. We'll turn to some things in the Bible today, and we'll look at what we've been talking about, wisdom. How many of you like wisdom? I know, me too. It's the greatest thing. So we talked a few things about wisdom. Let's look at our verses that we've been looking at, Proverbs 4 and verse 5. I guess I should tell Hannah the verse up there who's ever doing it. It says, get wisdom. So reckon we should get wisdom? Yes, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Go ahead through verse 9, guys. Forsake her not, and she will preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote thee. She will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Now stop there just a minute. This morning I was getting ready, and I was, I was praying about this about 4 o'clock this morning, and I was thinking, well, actually, I got up and I took my puffs out to the restroom. So anyway, and I was standing out there in the yard, and I was thinking, and I was thinking about wisdom, and I was thinking about the service this morning. And you know, it's something that is like a snare for a lot of people. It's like a trap for a lot of people. Is pride. Pride is a ditch that a lot of people seem to fall into. And I had never really connected the two. And I was standing there thinking about wisdom. And all of a sudden, I thought, you know, people are 
trying to get themselves into honor and trying to promote themselves by doing things that cause pride to come into their lives. You know, they're saying things and they're doing things. But do you know what will lift you and bring you to honor? Wisdom. Wisdom will make you look good. Pride will make you look bad, but wisdom, you're trying to do everything to make yourself look good with pride, but wisdom will actually make you look good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pride, you're trying to make yourself look good, but wisdom will actually make you look good. It'll even make blondes look good. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again because I tell you what, I ain't that smart. And over and over and over and over and over and over again, I have looked really, really good in circumstances because of the wisdom of God. But if I tried to make myself look good, I would be really dumb. It would look really dumb. But wisdom has made me look really, really good. Because when you, when you think of something to make yourself look good, it doesn't come out very good, does it? But when you turn to the wisdom of God, it will give you the answer that makes you look good. But the problem with it is, is pride always answers immediately off the top of its head and with this thing. And wisdom makes you wait a minute and shut that thing. Do you know it? Pride will make you want to go open this thing. And wisdom will make you go and shut it. That's the difference. Because, you know, this thing all the time doesn't know everything. And we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. So let's go on. Wisdom will promote you. It will exalt you. And that's what you're trying to do when you get into pride. You're trying to exalt yourself. You're trying to promote yourself. But let's let wisdom do it, and then we'll really, really, really look good. Instead of, have you ever seen anybody, you know what I'm talking about, have you ever seen anybody that's really trying to look good? What does it look like to you? You just kind of want to walk away, right? But if it's really, really with the wisdom of God, then it really does look good to you, right? It comes across right. Okay? So let's go on to verse 8. I mean verse 9. Excuse me. She shall give to thee an head... Oh, wait. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. And that's what we were just talking about. You're trying to glorify yourself, but wisdom will glorify you. Right? So that's what we've been talking about is wisdom. And we talked about the spirit of wisdom. You remember that? The spirit to be able to help you do your jobs and all these other kind of things. And we talked about two kinds of wisdom. How many of you actually remember what they were? What were they? Devilish wisdom and godly wisdom. And then last week we kind of talked about how to get wisdom. Right? How do you get wisdom? You ask God for it. And he'll just give it to you. And then last week we also talked about moving too quickly, right? And a lot of them didn't see the end result of what they were doing, like Joseph's brothers. They didn't see what was going to happen in the end. And uh, 
uh, Ruth uh, and her sister-in-law. They didn't see that if you do what wisdom tells you to do, the end result can be really, really good. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about some different things. So are you ready? Y'all got time this morning? Like Keith says, you already got dressed and you got your hair all fixed. You might as well stay, right? Okay, good. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that I think is kind of funny. So let's turn to Job. Can anything good come out of Job? I got some real revelation, and I'll tell you about it some other time. That's not what I want to talk about today. But today we're going to read Job 32, verse 1 in the King James. It says, So these three men ceased to answer Job. Because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barak, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled. Because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled. Because, he had, because they had not found the answer. And yet... Had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in, his, in the mouth of these three men, his wrath was kindled. Then Elihu, the son of Barak, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young and you are very old. Wherefore, I was afraid and durst not show you my opinion. I said, days should speak and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in a man, and the wisdom of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore, I said, hearken to me, I also will show my opinion. Now that is all good, but how many of you really, really understand what he just said? That's just what I thought. Okay, let's read it out of the Message Bible, and I think you'll get it really, really clear, okay? Put the Message Bible up in verse 6. We'll skip a lot of the other stuff, and we'll just get straight to the point. This is what Elihu, the son of Barak, the Buzzite, said. I am a young man, and you're all old. You got that, right? Not complicated. You're all old and experienced. That's why I kept quiet and held back from joining the discussion. Not complicated, right? Next verse. I kept thinking, experience will tell. The longer you live, the wiser you become. Clearer? Right? Verse 8. But I see I was wrong. Clearer, right? It is God's spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty One that makes wise human insight possible. It doesn't matter how old you are. Go to the next verse. The experts have no corner on wisdom, and getting old doesn't guarantee good sense. Right? Right? Okay. Now I've got to tell you a story. Are you ready? Okay. Keith used to work at this store. He worked there for years. When we were dating, Keith and I, for those of you who do not know us, Keith and I have been together since we were kids. 
I first met Keith when we were going to a trip, our school trip, on a school bus, a bright big yellow school bus, and he was sitting in the seat in front of me, and he, I was, he was sitting in the seat behind me, and I was sitting in front of him, and him and two little boys were sitting in the seat there, and the other little boy took his little jacket and threw it on the floor, and Keith took his denim little jacket and folded it ever so sweetly across his knees and didn't throw it in the floor, and I said, that's the man I'm going to marry. And we were going to the zoo. Now, that's how young we were, okay? And he still takes care of his jackets, does he not take? Oh, yes, he's very, very, very careful with his stuff. And I love him. He's a very good man. And anyway, we've been together forever. Well, when we were teenagers, we both worked. We've been working since we were both 12 or 13 years old. You know, we've, we've worked and worked and worked. But anyway, he was working at this little general store. And I think you've kind of heard him tell the story about it. But he did everything from cut meat to run a fire truck to sell washing machines to change tires to pump gas to manage the store and add their accounts to run the cash register to go hook up something at somebody's house to whatever it was. But anyway, it was one of those old-timey general stores in, in a country community. And you've seen them. And the, quote, older gentleman would sit there and play dominoes or checkers. How many of you have ever seen anything like that? Okay. Well, they would sit there and they would do this day after day after day after day after day. And you could count on it. When you walked in the door, they were sitting there. And they would never get up. They would know when it came 10 o'clock in the morning, it was time for one of them's name, I think was, the nickname was Pud. That was what they called him. And he, you would know that it was time to go get their snacks and bring it to them. They were kind of set in their ways. But they had an opinion about everything. One time, one of them left and had to go to Memphis for something. Now, this was from close to Jackson, Mississippi, and they had to go to Memphis for something. Okay, now you know that that's probably like anybody that knows maximum a three-hour, four-hour drive, maximum. And he came back and he said, I've never been so glad to get back into the United States in all my life. <laughs> yes. But one of the old men or people that came in there, older gentlemen, they were sitting <coughs> there one day and uh, something was wrong with his knee. So the other one got up, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, went and got a can of WD-40. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And he went and he got that man. I'm not going to hurt you, Brenda. And he took his knee, he pulled up his pants leg and sprayed his knee with WD-40. Now that was his wise answer. That WD-40 was going to cure his knee. It was going to lubricate it and it was going to cure it. Now that was his wise answer. The wisdom of the old man. Now they told lots of stories around there. And they told stories about, now it's going to soon be the first of the year. And how many of you ever heard this one? New Year's Day... You have to eat black-eyed peas. Uh-huh. And for every black-eyed pea that you eat, 
you get a dollar that year. We would all be this big if ever, if that was true, right? How many of you would go out and buy every black-eyed pea that you could eat and eat it this year, right? Because, I mean, you've all heard those stories, right? You could hear them over and over and over and over again. But, I mean, they tell stories like that, and the young people would believe things like that, you know? And so the black-eyed peas would go off the shelf. You know? I mean, things would happen. But just because they were older didn't make it right. And just because you've been told things doesn't make it right. Just because your grandparents told you something and your great uncle told you something and your great grandpa told you something and your mama told you something and just because people are older than you, it doesn't necessarily make it right. What did that verse say about... Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah. No, put the one before that up. But I see I was wrong. It's God's spirit in a person. That makes them right. These other men that were talking to Job had been talking to him and telling him all their opinions about why Job wasn't getting any better. How many of you have ever needed an answer on anything and you went to this person 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 and you went to the... Should I invest in this? Should I go to the doctor about this? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I put the kids in this school? Should I do that? Should I do this? How many of you asked anybody else for an opinion? Every person in the room has asked somebody for an opinion. I mean, we as a church constantly, there's situations that people come to us and they want counseling or they want answers for this. And constantly people are coming and asking you for opinions. Do you know what? Your opinion doesn't matter any more than my little puppy's barking matters. And my little puppy, my, especially the little girl puppy, she will flat talk to you. She'll go, ew, 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 and she'll just bat her little eyes at you and she will flat talk to you. When she wants her way, she will sass you. I'm telling you, I will bring you a picture sometime and I will show you. She will she sass you? She will sass you. Will she sass you? She, 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 she has an opinion. She does. But does it matter? Whose opinion matters? God. Only God's opinion. That's the only opinion that matters. Now, like I say, people have come to us for counseling. And they don't understand how come we don't just immediately drop everything that we're doing and counsel with them. Well, do you know what? As smart as I am, and I'm pretty smart, even though I'm blonde. I just told you I wasn't, but I am. I don't have the answer for you. Keith doesn't have the answer for you. No matter if somebody's 105 years old, they don't have the answer for you. And no matter if somebody has walked exactly the same way that you've walked on a tightrope, they can take every step that you take and they can go down the exact path that you go down. And they can have the exact marriage that you have 
and they can have three kids exactly like you have and they can have black hair like you have and the wife can have green hair like you have or whatever. And they can do everything exactly the same way that you do it. And you go to them and say, what do you think about this? Their answer can be wrong and most likely will be wrong. Because their life is not your life. And God does not expect from them what he expects from you. Because you have different light from what they have. Your life is not their life. And God requires different things of you than he does of them. And so what he's going to tell you would be different from what he would tell them. Now, he might, granted, uh, have the same gist of the things, do this for me, love me, keep my commands. But the detailedness of it could be totally different of how you get the end result. Like, okay, take for instance marriages. I know everybody's marriage. How many of you in here are married? Okay, let's just do a quick survey. You want to? Oh, no. Every guy in here said, oh, no. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I promise. I'll be nice. Okay. How many of you like, uh, say, how many of you wives stay home during the week? Okay. All right. How many of you husbands then like to have a home-cooked meal? More than not. Husbands like to have a home-cooked meal. Okay. How many of you husbands would rather that your wife not spend all that time in the kitchen cooking and cleaning, would rather you just, they just sit there and do something with you and you run grab something to eat and fellowship with you more than cook and clean? Raise your hand. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The wives are saying, I like that part better. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Every marriage is not exactly the same. How many of you husbands would rather have somebody help your wife do things and her not be totally worn out and be able to fellowship with you more? Look at the hands. Look at the... The women are taking the husband's hands literally and lifting them up. I can see it around the room. They're going like this. Do you see what I'm saying? How many of you, you know, uh, would like... The kids to be able, the husband to be able to help more with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> or how many of you would rather other people help with the kids and you and your husband be able to do things together and go on a date? Yeah. See, you see what I'm saying? You know, there's different things. So for me to be able to come in and say, okay, Deborah, you've got to do this and he's got to do that and this is the way it is. Only the woman cooks and the man goes and gets a job. That's the way it is. You keep the house clean, and he works 8 to 5 every day, and he brings home the paycheck. Now, where's that in the Bible? So for you to counsel somebody that way, it wouldn't be right because you don't know exactly what their relationship is. That's just your what? Opinion. Opinion. Right? You know, I knew, I knew this couple. And this girl had been married before, and she was adamant that she didn't want to get married again. Just totally, totally and completely adamant. I don't want to be married again. So when she got married this 
second time, she was sure she was going to save this marriage. So she did everything she had ever read in every book about marriage. She got up in the morning while it was still dark. She cooked meals so that her husband, when she had to go out of town for something or do anything, that there was meals lined up in the refrigerator in alphabetical order so that he would have them to eat on certain days. She went in his closet and put his clothes to where his clothes matched exactly the socks with the shoes and they were all lined up in perfect order. And and she did everything that she could do. And all he wanted to do was when he came in from work, She'd have his supper sitting on the table ready for him to eat, and all he wanted was a candy bar and a soda and wait to eat supper for two or three hours. But no, she wanted to eat then, clean the house, come in there, sit, do it her way. Uh-oh, is right. How do you counsel somebody like that? You say, this is the way it's supposed to be? No, you don't know. Unless God says this is the way it's supposed to be, you can't even help them. Right? And I know there was this other... And why I'm talking about marriage this morning, it's totally not in my notes. <laughs> there was this other couple, and we were dealing with them. And, you know, they were in church, and we were talking with them. And they were about to go splitsville. And we kept thinking, okay, they want to counsel with you. They want to counsel with you. They want to counsel with you. And I said, I have nothing to tell them right now. Nothing to tell them right now. There's nothing to say to them right now. And so we kept praying about it. And one day, Keith and I have... Okay, this is how often we get to do it. I have had a boat that Keith traded. This is how much he loves me. His boat that went really, 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 really fast for one for me that goes really, really, really slow that has a coffee pot. Now, that's love. That's real love. But anyway, I got to go on it. I haven't been on it in almost three years now, but I got to go on it one day. And during this day, I went down to get me a cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, tell them to fast for three days. That was all the counseling that I had for them. I called them in. I said, this is what the Lord says. The couple, I said, you two, fast for three days. That was the counseling session. That was all of it. Well, as it turns out... She had decided he was very, 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 very unspiritual and there was no way under God's big moon and stars that he could fast for three days because he was a glutton and he was selfish and he was lazy and there was no way in the world that man was ever going to fast for three days. Well, as it turned out, guess what happened? He fasted and she couldn't fast an hour. Now, who's the wise one? God is wiser than we are. Because in my little pea brain, I could have never thought of that in a million years. But what it did was, it made her gain all this respect for him. Because what she couldn't do in her flesh, he could. Do you see it? And we can search in our minds. We can go to this one and 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 we can ask this one's opinion and that one's opinion and how do we fix this and how do we get out of debt and how do we fix this bankruptcy and how do we get out of this and what do we do with this and how do we fix our kids and they're doing drugs and they're doing this and and all it takes is 
God's wisdom. But we don't spend time looking to Him. We spend time because we're so natural with all of our TVs and all of our people and stuff around. We have become so carnal in talking with people and conversing with people and our telephones and our texting and our email. And it's so easy to converse with everybody that it's difficult to just get quiet and stop for five minutes and get still for five minutes and say, okay, God, what do you say about this? And God will honor your five minutes. He'll honor your being quiet and saying, okay, God. And he himself will give you the wisdom to fix the situation. But only he can. Because it's going to be totally different than what everybody else tells you. Because if you mess something up based upon what somebody else tells you, it's not their fault. Because they, we've seen it in, in pastoring and stuff. I mean, people will come to us and they'll say, my marriage is a mess, my finances are a mess, my job is a mess. Well, the reason that you have to counsel them in your church is because you've seen them the last 10 years. But if they come from this church and this church and this church and this church, you don't know them at all. And their life is a mess. And all you see is who they are today. You don't see what they've done the last 20 years. So you can't really counsel them. But God can counsel them. And he knows the answer. And he knows the very thing that will help them get over the top. God's not into making people look bad. He's into helping people. And that's why he'd say, fast for three days. Now, how hard is that? That's not putting anybody down. That's not making anybody look bad. That's not doing anything. Because you don't need to know. See, what people want to do when they want to come and counsel with you is they want to tell you all of, she wants to tell you all of his faults. He wants to tell you all of her faults. I don't want to hear all of that because then what happens is you get real embarrassed the next time you see them. You don't want to come back to church because you know all of his faults and she knows all of your faults. And why do you need to hear all that? Right? Because all it is, all that's happening is, you know what happens when you're doing that kind of stuff is your opinion of them coming out. And really what it is, is throwing up words. You ever seen that? It's like all of a sudden, something inside you, these words has just got to bust out. Your opinion has just got to bust out. Have you ever held your tongue and it just feels like you can't hold? Yes, yes, yes. I got to give my opinion. You ever been there? Yes. They're doing something wrong and you just can't take it anymore. And what happens? <laughs> Before you can stop it, it comes out, right? Yep. And that's just what it stinks like throw up. Amen. In the eyes of God. Because it's just your opinion. And did it help anybody? It didn't. You want to get it up. You want to clean it up. You want to make it right. And so we have learned we don't want to hear all of people's negatives. We just say, you know what? We'll counsel you when we hear from God on it. Because I don't want to hear what he did wrong. 
God knows what he did wrong. I don't want to hear what she did wrong. God knows what she did wrong. And it's, if, if they repented, they could have repented five minutes ago, and it'd be all right. Exactly? How many of you messed up and in five minutes you go, oh, God, I messed up, I'm sorry. Did he remember it six days later, six months later when you went in for counseling? Then why should everybody else know about it? Just because your neighbor or your spouse or the one that you're talking about remembers it? But God would give you a way to fix it. Right? Let's get back to my notes. How about that? Yay. We, we helped somebody today anyway. So your words, you don't want to just spew them out. Let's read. Let's go back to talking about the older and the younger. How about that? The older and the younger have opinions. When you're listening to someone's opinion, you should immediately sense. You should immediately know. It's even in a service like this. It's even when you're listening to a word or you're listening to a tape or you're listening to someone that you're talking with. You should immediately know, is that God's spirit or is that them talking? You should recognize it in here. Say, I have the Holy Spirit. I I am God's sheep. I can hear his voice. And a stranger's voice. I will not follow. So when you hear something that is just someone else's opinion, you should put a check on it and you should go, hmm, okay, shelf. And not just run with it. Find it in the Word. That's what was happening to Job and all of his friends. They just kept telling him things and telling him things and they weren't helping him at all. It's only the spirit inside of a man that God gives him that spirit that really helps somebody. So when you're talking to people, be real conscious of not just offering your opinion to them. If you don't have something that God has told you to tell them on the subject, what should you do? What did Mama say? Zip it. Zip it. Because that's what in the world that we live in as Christians has really, really, really made us look bad. Because Christians have had a tendency to walk around and prophesy to somebody or, or do this or tell somebody something or, or, or say, this is thus saith God. And it isn't God. And what's happened is babies have gotten hurt. You know, and I don't have it written down, and some of you may know exactly where it is because y'all are just so wise and smart and sharp and scriptorians in here. But, you know, I think it's in Proverbs that talks about that if if you lead a baby astray, that it's better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. What's going to happen to you if you have a big rock tied around your neck and you're thrown into the sea? You're going to drown. Well, there ain't no good in that. 
So if you're telling somebody something that's going to hurt them, you should automatically think, right? Because how many of you talk to babies often? Huh? Does our opinion matter? Okay, so what does matter? That's what Elihu was telling Job and his friends. Your opinion, just because you're old and you got gray hairs on your head, or just because you grew up and you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 120, 300 years old, doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is God's spirit inside of a man and what that's telling them. So you should check and double-check, did God really tell me to tell them that? Did God really say this was going to help them? Well, yeah, it worked in my marriage, but does that necessarily work in their marriage? Yeah, it worked in my finances, but does that necessarily work in their finances? Yes, it worked for my kids, but does that necessarily work for their kids? I mean, today's society has got this competition with kids going on beyond words. It's like... They had to play football, baseball, soccer, be in this thing, be in that thing. And, and it's, it's called super parenting. The parents don't have time to do anything for God because the kids has got to be this. And the parents don't have time to spend with their spouses because the kids has got to be this. Well, you know what? Is that what God said do, though? There should come a point in time where you go, God, hey. We're kind of busy around here. What should we really, really, really be doing, God? Because you know what? This just came to my heart, and I'm just going to say it. If your kid gets hurt doing a sport, you might want to back up and say, "Uh, God, was they supposed to be in that to start with? See how quiet it got? Sometimes things happen because we're so just, it's an automatic that we should do things because that's what's going on. And, and the, the Joneses are doing it and the Thomases are doing it and the Barnes are doing it and the, this one's doing it. But does that mean we're supposed to do it? Just because the older people did it, does that mean the younger people are supposed to do it? It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Just because everybody else around the world is doing it this way, does that mean we're supposed to do it this way? And that's what's going on with society today. Everything is changing, 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 changing so quickly. I mean, you cannot turn on the TV anymore without seeing junk. I mean, junk. And you have to admit that there is junk on that TV. And you have to agree that you're going to sit there and watch things that you know goes crosswise and plows your field crosswise to sit there and watch it. And you have to say, oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, I'll just push that aside. Oh, I I won't pay any attention to that. But then 
you want to be able to hear, it, 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 it kind of pushes things aside. What it does is it desensitizes who we are on the inside. And it makes your opinion be different. Because we don't want the world's opinion on things. We want to hear from God and His wisdom. We don't want that devilish wisdom. Because what? Let's read James again. Are you ready? I want to read it to you from the Amplified. Okay? Let's put it up, James 3. Thirteen, sorry. Yeah. Who is there among you that is wise and intelligent? Then let him show, then let him by his noble living show forth his good works by unobtrusive humility, which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. Keep going. But if you have bitter jealousy and envy and contention and rivalry and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of false of and false to the truth. Now, that's kind of what we're talking about, you know, with the parent things and the job things. It's like there's this rivalry going on between who's better. And who's more involved? And who's the better uh, employee? And who's the better parent? And who's the better child? Who does more for mom and dad? Who does more for the, the school? Who does more for this one? If you're not doing it out of a pure heart because God dealt with you to do it, you shouldn't be doing it. That's just rivalry and competition. Selfish ambition. It's trying to show yourself up better than somebody else. You need to look at the reasons and the motives. God looks at the heart. Go to the next verse. This is superficial wisdom and does not come from above, but it's earthly and unspiritual and animal and even devilish. Why? Because it gets you involved in things that you shouldn't be involved in and it causes contentions and strifes that you shouldn't be a part of. It gets you around people and things that you should never be a part of. It causes you to be that den mother or that uh, block mother or that whatever that you're involved in to be show and tell that you shouldn't be to start with and then you have a fight with them about their kids or you have a fight with this person about this and you should never have been a part of it to begin with. Do you understand that? There's certain things that we should never be involved in and the only reason that we're involved in them is to show off. And what kind of wisdom is that? Devilish Devilish wisdom. Selfish ambition. God will put us where he needs us to be. And sometimes where he needs us to be is the humble and quiet part. We're just kind of standing in the back. Waiting for God to say, okay, talk now. Waiting for him to say... When he puts you up and gives you the honor and the place, then you're really put up. Because he's the one doing it. Instead of fighting.
biting and clawing and pulling and scratching to try to get to that place and winding up having fights with everybody at school or having fights with everybody on the job because you're trying to get to that place that you shouldn't even be to begin with and you can't sleep at night and there's ulcers and there's headaches and there's sickness because we shouldn't even be at these places. That is devilish wisdom. We don't want any part of that stuff. You see it on the TV all the time, and that's what people are watching. And, and it's, I think I've said this 20 years ago, and it's gotten worse than it ever was. I watched a commercial 20 years ago probably, and I said it in a service. I said, I hate, and I did, this particular product because... It had the man looking like he was such an idiot that he could not take a squirt bottle and squirt it to make something smell better. Oh, my goodness. He was too stupid to get up and squirt a squirt bottle to make something smell better. And I thought, that is not the man in my house, and it's not most of the men that I know. But do you know, most of the TV shows and most of the things that are going on, it's constantly to put the man down. And it, then now even, it's constantly to put the mother and daddy, look they look totally stupid. And the only one that has any sense is the teenage kid. Do you know that? And that's a lie. Because it's not the teenage kid that has the wisdom. It's the teenage kid that shouldn't be smarting back to its mom and daddy. But what happens is the teenage kid has gotten by with so many things because mom and dad has uh, stood up for them because so, they want to look like the good mom and dad and they want to look like the one that is, is in front of everything and the cool mom and dad. That's devilish wisdom. You shouldn't be acting the way the world acts. You should be doing exactly the way God directs you to do. And you do it that way and God will show you. You do it this way, you'll walk with wisdom. You won't be the proud one. You'll walk with the answer that God gives you. Okay, the school needs money. Okay, the school needs to have a bake sale or the school needs to do this or the school needs to... God will maybe give you an answer. Okay, what if we do this? Instead of our kids wandering around in their bikini swimsuits standing on corners. Right? How many of you want your daughter standing on a corner in one? I mean, you see it all the time. There's wisdom from God to do things. You don't have to have that kind of wisdom. God will give us a godly wisdom to do things. But you don't have to go in there in a natural state and say, we're not doing that. My daughter's not doing that. We're not going to be any part of that. We are of God. We don't want no part of that. We are godly people. We're not going to have any part of that. What's that going to do? Turn them off to the things of God. But if you just stand back there real quietly... You just listen to what they're saying and you say, God, what's a better way? Show me a better way that we can raise more money because you're the God of wisdom. You're the God that will give us an answer. 
And he says, have a rummage sale or a trade clothing sale or a do this and have a big this, you know, and invite everybody to come and do it here and have a big circus with all your animals and do stupid dog tricks or something. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? And God give you an answer and the whole room... You have favor with the whole room because it was a godly answer. Then your kids are not having to stand out there and do some dumb, stupid something. And you look bad because you stood up and said, God said this. You can be very godly, but you can be very wise. You don't have to be the one that just stands out and makes some dumb statement. We are the children of God. And we don't have to grow old and just do things that the, world, the way that the world does them. Because we see it on TV or because we see our neighbors doing it that way. We can represent God in a way that no one has ever represented Him before. But we got to stop and we got to honor Him enough to say, God, what do you say about that? How do you want us to do that? Should we be a part of that? Should we not be a part of that? Should we go here? Should we support that? Should we not support that? Should we be involved with that? That's what we're supposed to do. Now let me read you this next part and you'll understand why I'm coming at you from this point. Turn with me to a part that everybody knows. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you all know the story, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing what? Good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree... And a tree to be desired to make one what? Wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave it to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a second, but turn with me, if you would, to Romans 16, 19 in the King James. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning what? evil so wise to that which is good and what simple concerning evil right the NIV says it this way everyone has heard about your obedience so I am full of joy over you but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil Now, let's go back to the garden for just a minute. 
And let me read it to you from the Amplified and a couple of other places. And I think you're going to see something here, and then we'll talk about it for just a second. For God knows, verse 5, that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Now look at those next two words. The Amplified, is that it? Blessing and calamity. God knows that when you eat this, you're going to know the difference between good and evil, blessing and what? Calamity. Calamity. Now think about this just a minute. Adam and Eve had never known anything but what? Blessing and good. When you have God's wisdom and God says, don't do this. Why does he say, don't get involved with this? Because he knows you're going to know calamity. He's trying to keep you from knowing calamity or hurt. There are certain things in your life that you should never know, that you should never experience, that you should never be a part of, that you should... I mean, there's been people that I know that have gone through things in their life that you would like to keep them from going through. How many of you people know people like that? You think, oh, man, I wish I could keep them from going through that. But why did they go through it? Because they took a different road. And it would be the same way in your life. When God says, don't cheat on your taxes. Why? Because you don't know the end result. You don't know that later on, that if you buy too many shoes, that you could go to jail. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just today. You're thinking about today. Or if you take that dress, you wear that dress, and then you take it back to the store with the tag still on it, you don't know the end result of that. Or if you treat that person bad, you don't know what they're going through. And maybe they may go home and commit suicide. Maybe they were having a bad day and they chewed on you, but maybe God's telling you in your heart, love on them anyway. Give them $10. You need to avoid calamity in your life. Maybe God says, don't buy that car. Don't buy that house. Is he trying to keep you from having a nice car or having a nice house? Why would he tell you not to do that? Why would his wisdom be saying, wait? Does God know the end from the beginning? He's trying to keep you from that calamity. Why would he be telling you, don't go to that doctor? Don't have that surgery? Because he knows better. Why would he tell you, don't take that particular drug? Or every time you go to take it, he might say, 
wait on that. Don't take any more of those. How many of you see the commercials on television? This drug has been recalled. 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 Why would he be telling you don't take that? Wisdom. Wisdom. He's trying to keep you from having calamity. Why would he tell you, get up, hurry up, and go now when you want to clean your house? He wants to keep you from avoiding calamity. It's not that he wants to take all the fun out of your life. It's because he wants to get you to have the fun in your life. He wants to get you just to know the good and avoid the bad. And that's what he was doing to Adam and Eve. It wasn't that this big, beautiful tree that he didn't want them to have any part of. Yes, their eyes were going to be opened. But do you know when you have an affair, your eyes are opened? You experience things that you've never experienced before. Your eyes are opened. But are they good wisdom things? Are they devilish wisdom things? When you do drugs... Are your eyes opened? Is it good wisdom things or is it devilish wisdom things? When you steal, do you experience things and your eyes open to feelings that you've never had before? Is that good wisdom things or is that devilish wisdom feelings? When you choose somebody out and get your way, is that good wisdom feelings or is that bad, devilish wisdom feelings? You do. Your eyes are enlightened and there's things that you feel on the inside that you've not experienced before. But does that necessarily make it good? Yeah, you see things and you experience things. When you go to a bar or you go to a nightclub or you have sex with somebody you haven't had sex with before or you do things that you're not supposed to do, yes, your eyes are opened. But does that make it good? Or you look at porn, or you look at things on the internet, or you look at things on TV, are your eyes open? But what does your heart do instantly? What does your heart do? It goes, ugh. That's not godly wisdom. God's not putting anything into you. But what if you get an answer from God that you need immediately? What if you get an answer about something you've been seeking God about? And what if you get something that comes into your heart and it gives you the answer you've been praying about forever? What does that do on the inside of you? You go, what kind of wisdom is that? Godly wisdom. It's blessings. It's not calamity. God is trying to spare us from this devilish wisdom. He's trying to keep us from this devilish wisdom. But we cannot ignore the leadings that he gives us. Always recognize. It's almost every step that you take, you've got to decide. Nobody else can decide it for you. You've got to make choices. God gave us a free will. He said, you choose life or death, blessing, cursing, you choose. Okay, so you're going to take this step and this is in front of you. Do I want to see this? Oh, no, I want to see this. 
You have to choose. No one is going to choose it for you. And the thing about it is, the devil is the master of instantaneous. Do you honestly think if the devil had known what the end result... Think for just a minute. How dumb is he? Do you want to be as dumb as him? No. No. Three people don't. What about the rest of you? Do you want to be as dumb as the devil? Let me tell you what he did. He killed Jesus because he thought he won. He thought if he got Jesus on that cross, he won. The instant result. The momentary glory. For the spur of the moment, he got what he wanted. We are not like the devil. We are not going to desire the spur of the moment fleshy, wonderful, pride, glory things, we're going to be wise enough to look at the end result of what we're doing. Because if we don't, the instantaneous stuff is the devil's stuff. The godly wisdom is what looks ahead and sees the end result. Because had he have seen the end result, would he have killed Jesus? Absolutely not. And if you could see the end result, if you would have known the first time that you ever, anybody in here, I'm not, I, I don't know who's in here, but you can bet you that there's somebody in here that most likely here or on the internet that started out looking at something that they shouldn't have. Then they kept looking. Then they kept looking. Then they kept looking. And then it got to a habit. And then they had to look at it every night. Then they looked more. And then that wasn't enough. They had to look more. Then they wound up having an affair. Then it ruined their marriage. Then it destroyed their kids. Now they're on the street or in some little rinky-dink apartment where they had a nice house and a home and a car and a family. And now they're on their own, crying every night. Do you think that they thought when they just looked at that picture that that was going to be the end result? Absolutely not. The devil didn't paint that picture for him when they looked at that. He would never dare, dare do that sort of thing. But godly wisdom will do that for you. It'll say, don't look at that. Don't do that. That's what godly wisdom does. It doesn't tell you the end result. It gives you the inside, don't look at that. And he gives you the choice. Choose life or death. What do you choose? Life. Life, The godly wisdom. Say, I choose choose godly wisdom. wisdom. It's on my side. side. It protects me. It It leads me. It It guides me. It It keeps me from calamity. It keeps me from harm. harm. I will follow it. I will will look to it. It It will be my leader and it will be my guide. I choose godly wisdom over devilish wisdom every step I take. Thank you, Lord. Stand up with me. Thank you, Lord. 
I believe you do. I believe you do. I believe we're making the right choices. I believe we're seeing it. How many of you are seeing wisdom in a different light? I think that we can. I think we can see wisdom to where when the devil tries to throw something at us, we don't just fall for it. We don't just fall into a trap and say, I didn't understand that. No, we understand that that's something that he's trying to... He, he didn't, the devil doesn't come around, as Keith says, uh, with a big red horns and a pitchfork and, and saying, ha-ha, you're going to do this. No, he comes with temptations of things that your flesh likes to do. But you are smart enough to say, nope, I'm not falling for that, Mr. Devil. I'm going to turn this way and walk this way and go for the godly wisdom. Because you're the one that fell, not me. Right? Glory to God. You guys got something you can sing?